Yesterday, the world was stunned at what happened in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. As you probably already know, around 10 o'clock Eastern Time, 9.45, something of that nature, uh, there was a, a Jewish synagogue, and there were three different congregations in that synagogue. They were all meeting separately, as I understand it. And there was a man. His name was Robert Bowers. And he was a man that was full of hate, full of anti-Semitic views. I think he was possessed by Satan. Now, what he did yesterday, I think we'll always remember. He left his house. And he came to the synagogue, and he had an AR-15 and three handguns. And he went into this place of worship, just as we are doing today. We've come to worship God. And they came to worship God. They don't have the full understanding of who Jesus Christ is, and that's what we want them to know, right? But they came to worship God, synagogue, the Sabbath, uh, the day of rest. They have worship for Jews, and, and he opened up on them. And somebody said there's like 20 to 30 bullets. They weren't sure. And it was just horrific. An FBI agent who's worked with many of these terrible murders said it was the most horrific he's ever seen, just mowing people down with this gun. Uh, Eleven of the people who were worshiping there died that day. Uh, I believe six people were injured and several of them were first responders. Thank God for our first responders. Huh? Because as always, they make such a tremendous difference in protecting us. Uh, they came uh, to the synagogue, 911 call. They were there like several minutes later. And the gunman was coming out. And so what they did uh, is they shot at him. And he shot at them and wounded two officers at that particular point. And he went back into the building he went up to the third floor, and he hid there and was shooting down at them. We have a problem with the mic here. Let me correct that. Uh, so he was shooting down on them, and uh, they went in. And, and somehow, some way, they negotiated that this man come out. Again, Robert Bowers. Just think of the fact that we're worshiping today and the same thing could happen here, right? Shootings can happen anywhere. It's the new normal. It's a terrible, terrible thing. The evil is being done against people. And uh, yeah, let's, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, my hearts are heavy this morning as we reflect on what happened yesterday 
Oh, Lord, as we always do after these shootings, we pray for the families, we pray for the friends, really that whole Jewish community around that church, really Jews around the world, because the Jews have always been the object of hate. And why is that? Lord, as you know, they're your people. They're your people. We study the Old Testament. You use the Jewish people, your chosen people, to, to deliver the gospel to those of us who are Gentiles. The early church was all about, he said, okay, now I'm going to open up my grace to everyone. And uh, we were welcomed into the fold as Gentiles. And so I pray that as so many memories are triggered by these type of things, as we think of the Holocaust. Lord, your, your people have suffered so much. And I believe that your word teaches that you have a place for them at the end of this world, a very special place for them, that you've not left them because they rejected Jesus as the Messiah, that many of them will come to know Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Lord, we, we come to you and we place this at your feet and help us to be in continuous prayer for them. In Christ's name, amen. If you're our guest today, I want to thank you uh, for being here. We're going to really talk about some heavy stuff today as we talk about the justice of God. And I just want to kind of prepare your hearts for that, especially if you're our guest. Uh, be a little different message uh, this morning. But God did something special yesterday in my life. It was really kind of unique, uh, prep during the week and I really spent a lot of time on Saturday and uh, he, uh, he just got me excited. <laughs> he really spoke to me in a new way. And so this sermon, I don't know what's going to happen really. <laughs> I have a general idea. <laughs> but uh, all I know is what I say this morning, I feel that God has, God has led me to share. We're having such a great time in this series the real God, and the small groups are, are responding in such a wonderful way. Well, I was talking with Don Noren, uh, who leads one of our senior small groups, and they just spent an extended time talking about how much they were learning about God, and they were experiencing Him. So, friends, uh, again, if you're a guest, or for whatever reason you haven't gotten on board in our spiritual adventure here, I encourage you to go. Uh, to uh, the uh, ministry center there and, and pick up the small group book which has a code so you can watch the videos online and also the book that covers each attribute of God as we move uh, through this. And today we're going to talk about the justice of God. The justice of God. And if you're going to understand the justice of God, you need to see the big picture We've talked about this many times during this series, the fact that God put Adam and Eve in a perfect environment 
He wanted to spend eternity with them, but they chose to rebel against God. And since then, every other person born is born with a sinful heart, born with rebellion. And of course, that's why we live in this fallen world, this messed up world. And God is a just God. He is. And therefore, we have rebelled against him. We've spit in our, his face. We've turned away from him. And he is a holy God. He's a source of holiness, as we talked about. And therefore, he just can't let that go by. He can't wink it off. He can't say, okay, no problem. There's a penalty for sin against the Almighty God. There's a penalty. And I just want to take a moment here, talk about something we don't spend a lot of time on, but if you're going to understand the justice of God, you need to understand what hell is like. Of course, hell is a joke in our society. In fact, many evangelical Christians have turned away from that view. That's why we have this universalistic type of philosophy, like all roads lead to God. Everybody's going to make it in the end. But that's not true. And uh, the fact is, is that if a person in this life does not claim Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, if they do not take advantage of this free gift of salvation from the penalty when they die, they're going to go into a state of eternal suffering and pain. Talked of in the scriptures about a lake of fire being in the outer limits, the idea that we're alone, our person's alone, and hell, I'm like, oh, let's go party in hell. Yeah, no, it's not going to be a party, and it's going to be very, very painful. And I went to Moody Bible Institute, Trinity Seminary, I studied the Bible for years, and this is the most difficult doctrine for me to understand. I, I, again, I, when I think about it, it bothers me. <laughs> and I wish I could just say, oh, no, 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 God wouldn't do that. But the Bible says, God says, that he will do that. And you know what? I have accepted it as part of the mystery of God. Now, we've been talking a lot about that, right? How God's holy is in a totally different category. <coughs> There's no one that we can compare him to. He's totally other. And who are we to question God? Job, right? All that suffering and basically God said at the end, who are you to question me? 
Now, he gives us a lot of revelation. He shows himself, and we've got all kinds of knowledge revealed in creation and our own selves and Scripture. But still, things are a mystery. Like the Trinity, that's a mystery, right? Who can understand the Trinity? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But again, they have different roles, but they're the same God. And so I put this doctrine of hell this reality in that box, I, I, I don't understand it. Uh, I don't want it to happen. At the same time, in the wisdom of God, it's real. And if you ask me what drives me in evangelism, it's hell. I mean, we've got to remember that. The evangelical church today is avoiding the topic because it might offend somebody. Might offend somebody. Well, yeah, we need to be careful. And we, over the years, have, have been very careful of not, you know, scaring people to Jesus, right? Uh, we want to show them love. And, but at the same time, yeah, there's a penalty uh, to sin. And uh, we just talking about evangelism. You know, I see people, and I know that if they don't know Jesus, if they haven't accepted his free gift, they're not going to spend eternity with Jesus. That really bothers me. That really tears me apart. And we're on a new, well, we're on our journey of discipleship, our discipleship pathway, and we're starting a new focus in this discipleship pathway on outreach, reaching people for Jesus Christ so that they know the good news, so they can be saved from the penalty. And drunk or treat is today. Isn't that? Isn't that great? We're going to have a great time. But why are we putting so much time and energy and work into this one event? Hundreds and hundreds of hours people have invested because we want people to spend eternity with Jesus Christ and not an eternity suffering without him. That's why we do everything. We do everything. That's our mission, to reach and build passionate followers of Jesus Christ. That's why we send missionaries out and we support missionaries. That's why we're planning churches in India. We need to reach everyone, every tribe on this earth. And we're getting closer with, with missions of, of reaching unreached people, groups, because if people don't respond, if they don't humble themselves and repent and believe, yeah, the penalty is hell. Now, another thing you need to understand to fully comprehend the justice of God is that God, 
was so concerned about us. And he didn't want us to spend eternity separated from him. That the only way that the price could be paid is that he would send his own son, Jesus Christ, that he would send himself to die to experience the suffering more than any of us can ever imagine. And the, the father turned away from the son. He couldn't look on him because he was covered with all of our sins. He was, a, he was the atonement, the covering, one might say. It covers over us our sin. He atoned for our sin. He, he brought us into relationship with God if we've chosen Him. And just think about that for a moment. How radical that is. And, and there are so many reasons why I believe, of course, that the Bible reveals to us the true plan for this world and our holy God is because it really doesn't make any sense, right? I mean, who would come up with that story? Okay, God he establishes this holy world and, and someone sins and, and the only way that his justice can be fulfilled is that he would come down and live our life Live with all the pain and frustration and tension and, and that he would die the cruelest death imagined. That tells you about the, the justice of God, how serious he is, but at the same time, he's reaching out and saying, I want you in a relationship with me. It's not about a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ that transforms our lives. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. He was the righteous one. We were the unrighteous that should have been on that cross. That he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Jesus Christ gave it all so that we might be brought into a relationship with the Almighty God. Amen. Hey, say it with me. Amen. One more time. Amen. Yes, amen and amen and amen. That's what Jesus Christ did. And because he did that, we are not going to face an eternity of suffering in hell. No, no. <laughs> this is one of the great verses, right? Let's read it together. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Read it again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Isn't that excellent news? Clap with me. Come on. Let's praise the Lord. Wow. No condemnation. You are positionally righteous with God. He has made you righteous because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice 
His righteousness has been placed on you, and God sees you as holy, and that's why you can be in relationship with him. And the most incredible thing is that when we die in this life, if we've chosen Jesus, we're going to heaven. We're going to heaven, and you know I like to talk about heaven because people really don't know about heaven. It's, it's an incredible place. And, and this is very important you understand. This is the foundation of what I'm going to be talking about today. But heaven, again, we can't earn our way there. We can't do anything to get there. But it's a gift of God that we would go to heaven, that we would have a glorified body that would last for eternity. That we, and this is the most important thing, that we would be in the presence of God. That we would be intimate with God. That's what heaven really is about. And we can't fully appreciate that. It really depends on how strong you are as a Christ follower. How much intimacy have you experienced with Jesus? Because if you've never experienced it, you'll never experience what heaven is going to be like. Okay? So the deeper you grow your roots down to the word of God, the more you realize, oh, heaven is going to be great. And everybody can understand, no pain. Oh, yeah, no cancer. No traffic accident deaths. No more shootings. There won't be a gun in heaven. Amen? Amen. There won't be people who use the gun as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be new every day. Everything's going to be new. It's not like, oh, I've had this before. You go to dinner in heaven, and, and it's a new recipe. I mean, you've been there for 10,000 years, right? And it's a new recipe. And said, oh, this is so good. And that's what the experience is going to be like. Now, that's all of our future if we've chosen Jesus Christ. Now, as we work through this study, the justice of God, I tell you, you've got to get the small group book and get the code to watch Chip Ingram's teaching. He really lays out uh, the justice of God. And then, of course, in the book, get those resources because today I'm going to kind of go off on just one aspect of the justice of God that he spends a little time on, uh, but not a whole lot. I was kind of led, okay, God wants me to teach on this. And, and that is that we in this life, we in this life, are in training for heaven. We're getting ready for heaven. And God is testing us through trials and all types of different things. God is testing us. <laughs> He's putting us through the ringer sometimes in order for us to grow, in order for us to be so much more dependent upon him in order for us to, uh, again, purify ourselves. In Ephesians 5, it says that Jesus Christ is purifying. He's washing the church. And we are the bride of Christ. 
right? Adam, the first man, right? And Eve, the first woman. Well, now it's Jesus, right? He represents Adam and the church. Well, that's us. We're the bride. We're like Eve in a sense. Um, so, but he's testing us so that when we get to heaven, we'll be ready. We'll be ready to, to live eternally with him. And as I've studied the New Testament for so many years, uh, there's a reward system in heaven. Did you know that? That you can earn different rewards here on earth if you live for God? And your first response might be, hey, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. I mean, everybody gets heaven, right? Yeah, you're right. And and none of us will ever be envious of other people because they got rewards. And you know what? That's right, because you're going to be perfectly satisfied in heaven. Okay, wherever you might be in terms of leadership or there's different types of rewards, but Again, you're going to just be focused on God, but it's clear, and let's talk about this today, that God has rewards for us if we live in the way that he desires. Now, again, I mean, if <laughs> we'll talk about a passage in a moment here. I mean, if you just waste your time here on earth, if you're just a part-time Christian, and you're just kind of doing the... Christian thing, and you compare yourself to other people, say, well, I'm pretty good. There might not be any reward for you. But still, you're in heaven, right? It's kind of like an award ceremony where pomp and circumstance. I looked that up the other day, and it was played for King of England back in 1905. So I looked at the words, too. You ever look at the words of pomp and circumstance? We'll look it up. But all that to say, it's like going at a graduation, right? You go to a graduation, oh, that's so sad and poor. Oh, the majestic song, and all we think is graduation. It's over. I've done it. I have accomplished my goal, right? It's a celebration. And then, of course, they have those, all those different tassels, and, you know, the professors have all those different colors on, things like that. What are those? Well, those, again, help people recognize that these people have accomplished certain academic goals in their life. And you got all the notations, you know, as you go through the, the booklet that you get. And in a sense, that's what's like, like God's rewards are. Okay, everybody graduates. Everybody gets what they came for, but there were certain people... For whatever reason, they were to able to, to accomplish more. And again, it's a reward. I was thinking about this. Why does God have a reward system for us? Because we love rewards, don't we? Oh, yeah, we're always looking for rewards in life. Several weeks ago, I talked about I'm trying to diet, and so I have my bomb pop popsicle. At the end of the day, if I've been a good boy, right? And I'm so concerned about that popsicle. You know, that's my reward. 
and and for a stupid popsicle, 25 cents, run under the hot water, it's gone. I will do a lot of things. I will not eat certain things. Now, yesterday was a terrible day. I didn't want to tell you about it. But <laughs> I did not have bomb pop that day. The point being is, I get excited about this reward. And oh, we're so much in rewards. I tell you what, I don't know how people do it. I'm always amazed when somebody says, we used our credit card rewards to actually get in an airplane and travel far, far away. And I'm saying, how does that work? Now, I got some rewards in my credit card. I just, I'm still waiting. I don't know. I just... But, but you, some of you are experts at getting rewards. Why? Because rewards motivate us. And God knows that we need motivation. Isn't that what drives us every day? Motivation out of love for God. Motivation out of, hey, I got to keep a, a roof over my head and food for my family. Motivation for taking care of your body. Yeah, it takes a lot of discipline. So, so we build into all these different things rewards. Rewards and and that's what God does. He says, listen, I have given you new life. You are born again. You're born again spiritually. And now you have your life to steward what I've given you in order to please me. Now, you're not saved by your works, right? No, no, no. We talk a lot about that. because That's the biggest misconception. But I think Maybe because we talked so much about that at the time of the Reformation, you know, salvation by grace alone, we didn't talk as much about rewards in heaven because we didn't want to get, get people the wrong idea. You know, so we said, hey, everything's the same in heaven. Well, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Now, here's a couple of different judgments. We're talking about justice, the justice of God. The great white throne judgment is the judgment where all unbelievers will go. All unbelievers will go to that particular judgment. And you know there's different levels of hell? Like that guy who shot up the synagogue? Way down there. And so what God is going to do is he's going to evaluate people's lives. And he's a totally fair God, so he figures everything the way a person's been abused or whatever. You know, he is the perfect judge in every way. And I don't know how it all works, but there, there's a penalty. And the more you sin, the more the penalty is. Like Adolf Hitler, Stalin, you know. Oh, man. Unless they came to Christ, which I doubt. Right? That's a crazy thing, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a grace of God. But uh, that's a great white throne judgment. You don't want to be there. All right, the Bema Seat judgment of Christ is for us, believers. It's the Bema Seat. And Bema actually means judgment seat. I mean, it was the word that was used for the platform in the Olympics. You know how they get up the first, second, and third, the Greek Olympics. and uh, So it wasn't necessarily having the idea of judgment, but... It got mixed in there, and, but, but it, it, 
God's going to evaluate our lives. That's what he's going to do. 2 Corinthians 5.10, a key passage on this whole idea of rewards. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And you're saying, what? Again, it's not judgment. It's more of an evaluation. You're still going to heaven. It's kind of like a rewards ceremony. And again, after people get their rewards, and again, I believe that they have different crowns. I mean, who knows what God has for rewards, right? I think that we reign with him, though there are different levels of leadership in heaven. And so he is going to evaluate our life, the good or evil, the good or evil. Now, it's interesting that word evil in the Greek. There's two Greek words that mean evil like we understand it then there's another greek word that speaks of something being worthless something just not (laughs) uh, not worthy all right so god is going to look for jesus christ that is and he's going to evaluate our lives whether good or evil now let's talk about let me go back a second good or evil so a lot of people, and my mother, Laura reminded me of this yesterday, that she was taught that she will not be at the uh, marriage celebration of the Lamb, which is kind of like, you know, the marriage ceremony of Jesus Christ and his church. And that, that's not true. In fact, I was talking with a senior the other day, just a devoted follower of Christ. And I, I asked her what she thought of in the Bema seat, you know, where God rewards that type of thing, where she thought she was going to be. And she thought, well, I'm scared. I'm scared because people have all types of images in their head of what this judgment's going to be like. <laughs> it's going to be like a huge screen of your life. And now, Dan Harrison, we'll begin your life and we'll look at everything you did. And we will evaluate it, and everybody will see every thought, every motive. That's what some people think. I don't think that, because we're in our glorified bodies already. This is not a judgment. This is God giving away rewards to people. How do you get rewards? Well, you live for God. But it's interesting. You know what one of the greatest rewards you can get is? Suffering. Suffering. So if you've ever suffered for Jesus Christ, if you've lost your job because of Jesus Christ, I'm looking at a guy right now, lost his job because of his witness for Christ, you should rejoice. Yeah, you should rejoice because in heaven, oh, that's one of the coolest rewards. If people have given you attitude about being Christ follower, Good, excellent. Every time you suffer for Jesus. You see how this whole eternal worldview changes, how we think about this world? They're always giving me grief. That's great. That's what God wants to happen because he wants you to suffer with him and be identified with him. And Jesus Christ, of course, was a man of suffering. 
Another thing it's focused upon is uh, obscurity. Obscurity. Okay? Now, I'm up here, and uh, it's a great privilege to be able to teach you. It's really a greater responsibility, as many of you know it. It says in James 3.1 that those people who teach are going to be judged more strictly. Billy Graham. The great Billy Graham. I say goodbye to him. He's with the Lord now. Interview with Diane Sawyer. And uh, she asked a question, do you think in heaven, now this is something you hear quite a bit in regards to the theologies, do you think Christ is going to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant? Now, this is Billy Graham, okay? Billy Graham, I mean, nobody reached more people with the gospel in all of history than Billy Graham. And when he was asked this question, will God say to you, well done and good and faithful servant? He turned away and I said, I I don't think so. What? That's craziness. Come on. I mean, Billy Graham. But what you have to understand is that each person is evaluated, not compared to other people. This is nothing about comparing. Oh, mercy. You know, people were bragging about the rewards in heaven. That would be an issue. (laughs) You're bright, yeah, whatever. Okay. But the point being is that Billy Graham had a certain capacity. God gave Billy Graham what he needed to make a global impact. And I don't believe it, but Billy Graham said that. He doesn't feel like he's going to get a crown or whatever it might be. And each of us has to look at our own lives. We have to look at our own lives and say, okay, you know, where am I in my relationship with God? And here's, this is the most important thing I want to say this morning. If you are an introspective person, you've got to really be careful with this. Now, if you're just stubborn and all kinds of opinions, you better listen up. Sometimes you need to whack across the head, right? To kind of get the truth from God, okay? But please, like my mother was introspective, I'm introspective, and I've beat myself up enough over the years. And so the point is, don't really... (laughs) You know, we, we, we always focus on the grace of Christ here, right? Because it's so amazing that he gives us all he gives us. And we're talking constantly about that. But sometimes we need to remember how just a God is. Because again, you can't appreciate what you've been saved from by Jesus Christ until you understand that. Um, So, there's a great book that I was reading. It really kind of led me this way. It's Erwin Luster's book. He was a pastor down at Moody Church for so many years. It's called Your Eternal Reward. Get it on Kindle, that type of thing. Your Eternal Reward. Now, that has a lot in there. And that's what God used in my life yesterday as I was processing through this. And so, Your Eternal Reward by Erwin Luster. 
But the point here is, if you tend to beat yourself up, know about this, the reward system, but don't let your sinful orientation get you down about it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're a real sensitive person. Be careful. But if you're kind of moderate, and it takes you a little bit to get something, well, yeah, wake up. Wake up and listen. In Revelation, the classic example, one might say, that we've used so many times, these are seven different letters to seven different churches that are written as part of the book of Revelation, or the letter. Uh, it's talking uh, to the church in Ephesus. Remember, you've lost your first what? Love. You've grown cold. You, you've, you've moved away from me. Remember the height from which you have fallen. You just said you lost your first love. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What does that mean? I believe that's talking about a reward that God wants to give this church. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Well, what's that all about? Well, there's different ways, and there's different views. There are some theologians that believe we'll get to heaven, and there won't be any special rewards. The whole idea is like if you get crowns uh, from Jesus, you just kind of throw them at his feet. And that's the end of that? Well, no, the, yeah, we'll throw them at his feet, but at the same time, we'll still have that particular reward. He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. To him who overcomes. Now, other theologians would say, well, everybody's going to overcome. Well, I personally believe that, yeah, everybody's going to heaven. It's going to be awesome, but there will be certain people that will overcome and live for Jesus, I'll give this right to eat from the tree of life, which is, the, which is in the paradise of God. And we're thinking, well, we're going back to the Garden of Eden. Well, no, what he's talking about there, in Middle Eastern culture, hospitality was so, so important. It was the heart. They didn't have anything. But they, have, they had people, right? And that's the worst thing, to have everything but not have any friends. That's the heart of relationships, right? That's how God designed us. I give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So that the idea there is you can eat with me. You can be intimate with me. And again, it's, if you do this, you'll receive a reward. 2 Timothy 4, 8, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. Paul's talking about here, this is at the end of his life, okay, which the which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but all to have a long for his period. Now, some people would say, well, that goes to everybody. I don't think so. When you look at the letters of Paul, he is always talking about disciplining himself, persevering, wanting to get that crown. We'll talk about that in a moment. But all who have longed for his appearing, I think it just speaks about your relationship with Christ. 
Daniel Webster said, the greatest thought I ever had was my personal accountability to God. And this just, God just rang my bell yesterday. Man, it was great. That's fun when you get to study the Bible for a living. <laughs> That's great. But uh, he, he rung my bell. Because you see, accountability is needed in our life. And there are so many teachers on TV, on the radio, on the internet who are saying, hey, you're saved now. You can live any way you want. No. <laughs> sure, you are saved. And sometimes people think they're saved, but they're not acting like it. And you have to, say, you have to be a fruit checker and say, hey, you know, this is after a long period of time. <laughs> Did you really make that decision? Now, we can't judge, but we can say, hey, you know, it doesn't seem like you've been you know, following God. It doesn't seem like the Holy Spirit's living in your life. So God puts accountability, and I believe the reward piece of this is somewhat of an accountability piece. Uh, I have been sanctified to a great degree in the way I drive. Sanctification is a process of becoming more holy. Right? God put me next to a police station, his joke, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm just paranoid around police. I love police. I love everything they do, but I'm just messed up inside, and I just, I just watch police cars. I, I'm just waiting for them to pull out. You know, I look back, and pull, you know, I, I'm paranoid, really, and there's a reason for it. But <laughs> a lot of money, a lot of traffic courts, all that kind of stuff, you know. So, it, it's funny because I'll pull up to the stop sign. I live on the old side of Lake in the Hills, Kitty Corner, to the police station. And there's a stop sign right there at the beginning of Miller Road. And sometimes there'll be a fine Lake in the Hills policeman there. And I'll pull up, and I'll know he's looking for the stop, the full stop. We're not just talking about, you know, Going back a little bit, all the way back. I mean, I'm tempted just to put my car into to park and, and to get out of the car and say, I have stopped. I have stopped. And you know why? Because I got three red tickets in Fox River Grove. Three tickets for going. You know, you know, anybody been there? Anybody experienced that? Please give me a testimony. Please. Yeah, you know, I, I was taking care of my daddy and Alzheimer's, you know, I was coming home late at night, and oh, it's a, oh, Lord, help me. Um, <laughs> I mean, everybody does it, and they make so much money off it, and they made money off of me. And maybe that's why I want to jump out of the car when I get to a stop sign. I am stopped, okay? Now. That's an overreaction. <laughs> but we know God's watching us, right? I mean, you get evaluations on your job, right? And, and the thing about it, it's not a discipline issue. No, God's just saying, here's how you did. Go into eternal happiness. But there'll be some people, the grace of God, who did better than others. And I don't know about you, but that motivates me. You know, when you think about growing old, oh, I love our seniors. They, they've taught me so much about aging. And you think about it, and it can be depressing, right? 
But if you know that every day you can serve God, oh, prayer warriors, seniors, right? The most powerful thing you can do is pray. And they know it. So they pray. And they pray for their unsaved children. They pray for the church. So many have said, we pray for you, Dan, every day. Oh, thank you. I need it. I need all of it. It's what sustained me to this point in ministry. There's the prayers of people. But, you know, I've had fears about that. You know, what am I going to be in a nursing home, whatever, you know? But wait a second. My life isn't over yet. Yeah, it might be a more difficult stage, but every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to say, oh, Jesus, empower me, guide me, lead me to do what it might be you want me to do. And sometimes I say, well, what if I'm not pastor at church? What will that feel like? God says, well, who really cares? You know? Your deed for that day is not preaching or leading whatever. You're going to help the lady down the way. You're, <laughs> you're going to go fix something for her. That wouldn't be good. Uh, I don't bake. Um, I'll just, I, I'm a good talker. Oh, I love to love people. I love, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can remember I was in a seminar once, and one seminar workshop lady said, I, she knew I could talk. And she, and chat those people up at the bar, Dan. <laughs> Other people had fears about that, okay? That's so why I go over there, you know. So that's, how, that's what my ministry is going to be. Prayer and encouragement. Oh, that's at my heart too. And, and that, that lifted my soul yesterday. You know, this life is a test. God is making us more like him, he loves us unconditionally. Don't miss that. But remember, when the Christian life is challenging, when it's difficult, when life is going the wrong way, it's not about your circumstances. It's about how you respond to them. How you go to God. And so I can, I can encourage, through what I've said today, I can encourage a person in any circumstances. You're going to heaven, man. Oh, it's going to be so much better than this hospital bed. It's so much better. And if they've testified to me or I've known the person, from now on, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say, you know what? I think you're going to receive a reward in heaven. Yeah. And you're sitting here over at Northwestern, they keep changing their name. What's the deal with that, huh? Well, oh, it's in tech. No, no. Um, you're sitting over there, and, and you're just, oh, you're ill. You're ill. And I have a tendency to um, be critical of myself. And that's one of my fears that, you know, I really be critical of myself. And God encouraged me yesterday. Said, Dan, I'm going to continue to help you with that. And I'm going to give you the power you need each day until the end of your life to serve me and love me. I don't need any rewards, really. 
But hey, I'm not spending eternity separated from God. I'm with God all the time. And it's incredible. Incredible. But at the same time, I mean, if God did that all for me, you know, what can I do for him no matter what suffering I experience? He'll, he'll carry me. He's always carried me. And he'll carry you. Hmm. We can have our worship team come out if they can. If they're still good or can they still come out? I saw the last song was cut, but this is such an important time. If you're not a Christ follower, if you don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ, you're still trusting in what you can do, your good works. Right? Uh, your good works. Um, you need to realize you don't have anything. Your works mean nothing to God. You need to humble yourself and say, God, I want Jesus as my Savior. I repent and believe in Him. I want a relationship with you. At that moment, you become an adopted child of God. Do that today. Do it now. You don't know how long you're going to be around in this life. Do it now. So you can experience <laughs> His eternal package. <laughs> but if you're a Christ follower today, and maybe you're just in a stubborn mood and you've been stubborn for a while you're half-hearted christian just going through the motions oh i i just pray that you're being convicted right now by the holy spirit i pray you're trying to fight off the thoughts and say i just have to get out of here and get to the bears game if i get to the no no forget about the bears think about your relationship with god and how you need to step up. You need to engage. You need to be disciplined. You need to work for God like you work for any type of work or any type of sports. Because God has done this for you. He saved you from eternal suffering. And you will have joy forevermore. What's your excuse? What's your excuse for not walking with Jesus? Tell me that. I know you have them. I have them too. But let the Spirit speak to you. And... and if you're here today and you're discouraged and you got that introspective mind saying, oh, mercy, mercy my. Look at my life. Look what I've done. I thought I was at the bottom of depression, but this has sent me to a whole new level. Oh, I don't want, don't, don't leave. You come talk with me first, okay? No, 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 no. That's not the idea here, okay? The Holy Spirit is personalizing this for you, okay? What do you need 
to do. Because Jesus, Jesus loves me. He loves you so much. Turn back to him no matter what you've done, where you've been. Yeah, the rewards, they're, they're great and everything, but don't, don't let them. And like this theology has done to many people. It's made, made them so afraid of heaven because they know their life's going to be evaluated. That's not the point. God is going to reward you. That's the point. That's what you need to focus on. Let's pray. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for speaking to me in a new way yesterday. Sometimes we're far from God. We feel like you're not there, but yesterday you were just kind of feeding me. <laughs> it was awesome. Thank you. I just, I just pray that your spirit would use the imperfect words and thoughts that I've said to encourage people, to encourage them to get off their butt and get in action for Jesus because he's their Savior. I pray that people will be convicted about lordship. They've been in the driver's seat way, way too long, and they're comfortable, and I pray that right now they're saying, I wish I never would have come this morning. The Holy Spirit is here again. Get me out of here. Oh, Lord, don't keep them here. Keep them seated or talking to somebody until they can resolve that. Don't let them go back into the same pattern of life they've been doing for years. This, let this day be a day of change, a day of transformation. We love you, Lord. Thank you for being such a, a good God. In Christ's name, amen.